What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Hold the Lane, episode 13. Hold the Lane is a competitive Call of Duty podcast focusing on the game of Call of Duty and the esports scene behind it. I'm your host, Dalton Floyd, and you can find Hold the Lane on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and really any other place that you may listen to your podcast. And this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, we have a lot of really huge news to talk about. I mean, there's not many topics, but there's two major ones, really. A lot of news breaking in the Call of Duty scene this week specifically. And for the first time since episode eight, we have a guest. Uh, it's, it feels like it's been an eternity, but uh, we finally have a guest, and his name is Chase Bennett. Uh, Chase, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Chase Bennett, um, uh, student at Longwood University, aspiring esports. Really, just esports, whatever, yeah, right? E-sports. You know, just any way to get into the scene. Yeah, definitely. I mean, pretty young right now, but I'm, I mean, there's many options out there to go after. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, that's the same mindset I have. Like whether it's videography or trying to leverage this podcast somehow, or really just anything. I'm just trying to break into the scene. So. uh We've known each other for the past two years, I think. Yeah, uh, definitely it's two years. Yeah, my yeah. Freshman year. Yeah, I came here, yeah, it was, ba- you know, say it's my freshman year, but I transferred from community college, so I was technically a sophomore here. But it was my first semester at Longwood, and we literally met because I, I was at, uh, I was at the, the, what's it, what do they call it, the Ruffner Fountain? Uh, yeah, we were like right here. It was literally right next to us here at French, and, uh, you walked past and I saw your Optic, uh, t-shirt. I think it just had the Optic logo on mm-hmm. it, and... I was talking with someone else. I was talking with someone from my apartment complex, and I like cut the conversation short because I like I never see anyone with esports apparel in public. Like since I saw you, I saw other people that I'm friends with now with like hundred thieves shirts and stuff like that. But like until then, I had never seen anyone in like public that wasn't a Call of Duty event with you know team team apparel on. So it was really really cool. I uh, just walked up to you and just complimented you, sh- complimented you on your shirt, and then we got into this like ten minute conversation about Call of Duty. So yeah, for sure. I mean, until about Hundred Thieves really took over the apparel scene, mm-hmm. uh, the apparel was kind of just like your more loyal followers. And yeah, I knew wearing the apparel around campus or around in public places, I would hopefully meet someone, mm-hmm. which I did, uh, that also had the same esports interest. And yeah, that worked out pretty well. Had you ever met anyone before? Uh, I had gotten, like, you're here and there in a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Hey, nice shirt, man. Uh, but I never, had, I never had anyone, like, come up and talk to me and speak to me. Mm-hmm. And I know some people have, I mean, there's many different games you can like in esports. Yeah. Go League, Call of Duty. And we just so happened to both agree that we both liked Call of Duty the most. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what's kept us in touch is because, I mean, I follow Call of Duty the most as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always like, you know, no matter what, you know, no matter what we've been going through throughout, you know, the past two years, we've always had Call of Duty fall back on in a conversation. Like, you know, if we haven't talked in like a month or two, saying like, oh, have you been following the events lately? Like, that's always a great icebreaker, you know, mm-hmm. when we start talking again. So I think I think uh, that was just the start of the Black Ops 4 season and something like that. I think that's when it was. It was 2018. It was. Wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was the roster before, like, we met before the roster of, like, Dashie, TJ Haley. Gotcha. Skump, Karma. Okay, so we were just on the, as the World War II season was ending. Yes, And Black Ops Mm -hmm. 4 was coming up. Uh, So that was cool. I think we talked, yeah, we talked a lot about the World War II season and stuff like that and some older stuff. So to get more of some background on you, I think 
It's even been a long time since I've really gave much background on myself on the podcast specifically. I think I did it once on episode one, and I'm still overdue with doing that. But uh, I'll save that for a later episode. But for you, uh, let's give a little more background on like what's your history with Call of Duty. When did you get into competitive Call of Duty? And like you know, what was your to start off? What was your first Call of Duty in general? You know, not competitively or anything like that. Uh, The first Call of Duty I ever. Uh, swooned my mom into buying me was uh, Black Ops 1. Gotcha. Uh, I somehow got her to get me an Xbox and a Black Ops 1 that Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, all my friends had Xbox Live, and then we all were just started playing. And after that, it's just game after game. You just keep on buying them. So Black Ops 1, did you get that for Christmas, or was it like on the release? I got Black Ops 1 for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Same th- for me. And then... Oh, this is getting back in history. <laughs> What's the game after Black Ops 1? MW3? MW3 yeah. MW3 I bought. Um, I played like half the year into MW3. and I, Did you I, go back? I went back to Black Ops 1. Same thing I did. BO2 came out, and then that's when the, the deep love came in. Mm-hmm. Because BO2 is just a memorable game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's iconic. Not even not even just for the competitive scene, but like I could play pubs on that game with with just random casual friends for for years, and um. So I did the same thing. I played MW3 for like two months and then went to went back to Black Ops 1. So then in Black Ops 2, how did you discover, how did you get to discover competitive Call of Duty? You know, like what was your first introduction into it? Um, I had a couple friends who were considerably better at pub stomping than I was. Uh-huh. And they would uh, throw in names like Phase and Optic. Gotcha. And I was like curious about this and then uh, came across like uh, Scump and Nade. Uh, I think that's when they lived in 6050, mm-hmm. and I just saw them live streaming with all four of the team members inside that same room, and I was like, this is so cool. I would yeah. love to do this with my friends, and I just thought it was so cool. I just kept coming back to the streams, kept coming back and watching them more and more and more. Mm-hmm. I think I think the last event of that year was my very first time watching an event, though. I never watched an event until, like, the very end of BO2. Mm-hmm. I got into it. I think I got into it fairly late too. I mean, even if it was like, even if it was like February, they they did COD Champs really early back in those days. So like, you know, it's kind of weird to think about how the format was back then because they did Champs in like March maybe, and then you had from March to November with just like random events like Anaheim, obviously a big legendary event, but like having events like that, uh, you know, we had UMG. UMG ran so many great events back then. Um, I personally got introduced to it, I think it was just straight from Nate Shot's content on YouTube. Um, I always knew about like game battles and stuff like that, mainly because of YouTube creators like T. Martin and Woody's Gamertag doing GB uh, series on their channel, but I never I never got into it myself until Black Ops 2, and it, it helped because they had League Play, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so that was always good, uh, watching Nate Shot with his Road to Masters division and then trying it yourself. Um, so... It's obvious to me because I've known you long enough, and plus with uh, you know how we met in general. Uh, what has you know what has been your favorite team uh, throughout your entire like time watching competitive Call of Duty? And with that team, I think this one's kind of obvious too. Once we say it, but have there been any favorite moments during your entire time watching them? Uh, I guess you would say from the very, from the very beginning, I didn't really side with the team. Mm-hmm. I think. What made me side with Optic, because Optic ended up being my favorite team from yeah. here on, um, 
I think one of the very first matches I tuned into, Optic was actually losing in the match. And I was like, if Optic, I told myself, if Optic comes back, that's going to be my favorite team. Uh-huh. And I, they came back, and I don't remember what map or what tournament it was, but I remember Skump going crazy. You remember the game? Was it Black Ops 2? It was Black Ops 2. Okay. And he, I remember Skump going crazy and such, and I was like, you know, that guy, I, yeah. I, that's how I act when I'm doing good in league play or something mm-hmm. like that. And then I just, I. That paired with the content creation of me knowing Scump's personality outside, yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is this is nice." He like him and Nade—they're all producing content, and they're like, not a half bad team. In the yeah, world. yeah, for sure. I mean, that that was the interesting thing about Optic back then was that they they weren't necessarily the best team ever, mm-hmm. but because of their content, that's what made them so likable. Oh, you yeah. know, uh, you, they had like the the big stereotype that they were just placing third place constantly, right? Uh, constantly being third place i remember i think that was generally the the normal theme so then with optic uh you know if it was just that one with scump or something else what what has been your your like absolute favorite moment watching them play i had a bunch of different favorite moments Mm -hmm. up until iw yeah um when i mean you had the dynasty roster come on after nade left and we it was just tournament after tournament wins we'd get to the champs seventh place yeah seventh place and the curse i think the year for iw this was i think the first year they were having cod champs on the east coast um it had normally been in la anaheim Mm -hmm. or uh i think they did in columbus one year um but they were having it in orlando i somehow swooned (laughs) my mom into buying me and my friend tickets to go there for my birthday present that year that's crazy and i got to watch the Dynasty roster win champs in person. Um, I got to that same year was the year when uh, who was it? Envy came back on the United. Yeah, yeah. But like eleven goals on uplink. Was that at champs or was it a different event? That was at champs, and I think it was in like losers. No, no, it was in like the quarterfinals mm-hmm. or something. I remember watching I that. Watched that, that was that insane. Live. Like just the entire experience was surreal. But being able to just sulk knowing that the Dynasty roster mm-hmm. had finally won a championship—that's all people expected them to do. Yep. And I, that had, for sure, my favorite moment in esports. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, le- legendary sure. roster in itself, you know. Karma got his third ring with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really, really cool. Um, side topic, though, did, did you watch Infinite Warfare throughout the whole season, or was it just here and there? Uh, in my opinion, Infinite Warfare was absolutely horrendous to play. Mm-hmm. But it, was, it the competitive scene in Inf- Infinite Warfare was consistent. The matches were good. I mean... My, it was one of my, not my favorite, but it was one of my favorite uh, competitive Call of Duties to watch. Yeah, I mean... Like, it was, it, was, it was sound, I guess you would say. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I had the same sort of sentiment with that with my friends. Like, I didn't really enjoy playing it at all because I didn't like some of the, the like, specialist abilities. I don't think they called them specialists in that game. But uh, I didn't really like some of those and how it, like, affected the gameplay. But... The gunfights felt really good all the time, no matter if I was liking the game or not. The gunfights felt great because it felt like you really had to hit all of your shots in that game mm-hmm. to really win. And then, yeah, the competitive side, I, like I didn't really watch the entire season honestly because I didn't watch I didn't watch Advanced Warfare at all really. And you know, I might have done an event here and there just to keep up with it. But then watched all of Black Ops Three because I loved playing Black Ops Three. And then for Infinite Warfare, I didn't watch like half of it. And then. I think it was probably like Anaheim or something like that. I got back into it. And uh, I think Uplink helped a lot with that 
because yeah. Uplink's always fun to watch. Uplink's the best <laughs> game mode to watch. The best third game mode? Best third game mode to watch, and you, I mean, I don't know how we can get it back, but uh, I, mean, I think we're boots on the ground for good. But. Yeah, and, you know, I, I hope we stay that way, because even, the, like, I did, I don't know, it's hard to say, like, I'm so stuck in the middle, and if I, like, and really enjoyed playing jetpacks or not, in Black Ops 3 I did, but when the movement gets a little too hectic, like, I don't know, like it was in Advanced Warfare, that's when I'm kind of out of it. You know, when you can dash side to side, not really a fan of that. Mm-hmm. That's just me. But um, I don't know. It, you know, if we ever did go back to jetpacks, people would be so on the fence because of it being jetpacks, but we would also get uplink back. So, like, it's a weird thing. I, I mean, I do like Control in, in Black Ops 4 and then now Cold War, but um, I don't know. People, people love uplink. Control and Cold War, to me at least, felt... Felt good. Like, mm-hmm. It was definitely better than domination. Oh, one hundred percent. Like I'll I'll play anything over domination. Like I'll play I'll play Blitz from Ghost over domination. I'll play domination you know? in pubs. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And I need callouts and I need my teammates on. Mm-hmm. It's got to be control. And control also gives you opportunities for just crazy plays. Like, yeah. One guy left and the other team has a life, mm-hmm. like six lives. I mean, you can pull that off and everyone looks gonna go crazy. It's gonna be. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. even in the CWL and competitive play, like, pe- teams have pulled off, like, 2v9 round clutches and stuff like that. Uh, you know, like, we, we've, I'm sure we've both done it in league play before. Like, being able to come back from, from those kind of deficits and control is always really fun. Um, and, it, 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 like, control has two different layers to it because you can either win by just completely dominating them and sweeping them with the lives, or you can just sort of play the objective a little bit more and sort of swindle them that way. So, yeah, I've always loved, uh, you know, not really debating about the third game mode, but oh, I guess it would be debating about it. I've always, I've always liked to control over other game modes in, in competitive, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess to sort of throw a random side topic before we get into today's main topic, uh, what's your stance on control versus CTF? Do you think it really right. depends on the game, or is it just a game mode sort of thing? Going off with the thought of we're boots on the ground for here on out. Mm-hmm. We're that here on out, I think CTF can be interesting sometimes. Yeah. But if you have, like, say you have a slay heavy team, you just have a team of four slayers just mm-hmm. randomly, and you can win on CTF easy. Yeah. Because you can just keep them out of your spawn, you keep them out, hold down middle, yep. middle of the map, and it's going to be kind of a blowout. With control, like you mentioned earlier, you can... You might not be the best slaying team, mm-hmm. but you can still win it off the objective by outsmarting them, s- splitting up the points, yeah. slowly ticking away and adding on time. I feel like Control offers a better viewing experience, I guess you would say. Yeah, and so I love CTF, but I yeah, Control I do too. And like you know, we talked about the glory days of Black Ops Two earlier, and like there there have been so many CTF like uh, amazing CTF plays from back in the day, uh, like. If you say CTF and Black Ops 2, the first thing that I think about is, uh, I think he was 14 at the time at UMG Atlanta, uh, a CSGO pro now named Nifty. Uh, him like killing J-Cap at L-Wall on standoff and running the flag back home to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, like that, that one clip uh, is so ingrained in my memory. So like CTF can play really well in certain games. And I did like the rule back in World War II where like if... 
if you're, I don't even know if it was, I don't think you had to even be tied up, but like, I think if you had a flag pulled out and the time ran out, then it would still keep the clock rolling. Yeah, you free. could just sit on the opposite side to the map and just have a little standoff. I yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, they extended the clock for you a little bit there. I like that rule. And a lot of pros, in my opinion, a lot of pros like to um, sort of stand on the side of the argument where they say that games just haven't really played well for CTF in the past few years, and that's why it's not that great. Um, I know I know it doesn't really fare well for jetpacks because we said uplink was so great, but like I know there were maps in Black Ops Three where like they would they would put the flag up really really far into like almost close to middle map, but you're spawning way behind it. So like it it, it was just weird on certain games and certain maps. So I don't know. It was a weird situation. So uh, yeah, let's get into today's main topic. Let's not beat around the bush too much. Um, the LA Thieves have has officially been announced for the Call of Duty League in the 2021 CDL season. Uh, obviously, Nate shot owning 100 Thieves, who owns you know the little subsidiary LA Thieves. Uh, it's something that has been teased, and I've talked about it on the podcast for weeks now. Uh, rumors flying everywhere. Dexerto actually leaked this whole thing like a week or two ago. Um, I was in French here when it actually happened, and uh, yeah, so now we have it confirmed. Um, the LA Thieves put out a video with Nate Shot. It was like a three and a half minute video, like sort of hyping up the whole thing. And yeah, within 48 hours, they are now the second most followed CDL team. And yeah, so let's just get your initial thoughts on the video from Twitter. Um, they posted it on YouTube too, but it broke on Twitter. What did you think? when you saw it. I know we talked a little bit about it before we started the podcast, but but yeah. Initially, I was... I I'd heard the rumors going mm -hmm. around, but initially I was kind of confused. I wasn't really too sure what Nate was looking at in the yeah. video. I was like, I'm not really too sure what's going on here. And then the ending kind of finally came around, and I was mm -hmm. like, for a second, I kind of... Again, rumors. I kind of expected yeah. it to come, but I kind of just took a second. I was like... I don't know. It's like that surreal moment where it's like everything's good in the world at this moment. I know. Like, like it still doesn't feel bad. real right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the one thing that when we when Call of Duty went to franchising, mm -hmm. I just wanted in my heart, I didn't want these random big money teams from like League, I guess you would say, just coming in and buying spots and mm -hmm. then Call of Duty not being what we remember it. Like I wanted there to be an optic. I wanted there to be a phase. I wanted yeah. there to be 100 Thieves. I wanted there to be an envy, mm -hmm. and like uh, we've gone through some branding differences, but it's coming full circle. We have our Nade, we have our Hastro, we have our Hex, we have our yeah. Phase. So it almost makes me feel complete, but mm. we'll, we're going to see how it, I guess, keeps going, though. I thought that part of the video was so good when uh, when you sort of like heard them in the background trying to get Nade's attention, and then you turn, and it's the returning, you know, Kenny, Slasher, and Mud Dog sitting in the compound. That was amazing. I loved it. Um, in a video, like, before we get into the COD roster and what we think about that, in a video shortly after, John Robinson and Nate Shot put out, like, a 13-minute video talking about some more, like, behind-the-scenes things of how it all came together and then uh, sort of what they're plans are not only with the CDL but with other things and they mentioned that they plan on signing a Warzone and a COD Mobile team. Um, Warzone didn't surprise me but COD Mobile surprised me. I was surprised that they're looking for a COD Mobile team. Have you have you seen any like have you seen any like buzz around COD Mobile? So I before the Cold Wars uh, beta mm -hmm. I had not at all 
And when I saw that Cold War came in, and immediately, I think, uh, you know how, like, the little 100 XP pops up when you get a kill yeah. or such? It immediately reminded me of COD Mobile. And I was sitting there, and I was like, please don't change this game into COD Mobile. Yeah. Like, can we just have two separate things? And the more I kind of, it started popping up on my Twitter feed more. Um, I do, I think Activision's really pushing COD Mobile. Because mm-hmm. they finally found a mobile game that actually kind of works on for Call of Duty on there. Yeah. Um, other than the LA Thieves, they're, they're the only ones I've seen that mentioned a team. I don't know how much traction it's going to get. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, personally, I wish that they would just take everything that they've done for COD Mobile and just put it on console and make it into, like, the that like the main COD. Mm-hmm. It, like, it would be a dream scenario if they made that, like, the main game moving forward and didn't really do anything else with with new CODs, but like that's just, it's never going to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's never going to happen, unfortunately. I mean, you know, I guess that's that's given us more freedom to get hype about games like Cold War, but um, the only thing that I ever saw about COD Mobile before this was Maven, like, was a guest and casted a certain tournament recently, and that was, like, the only thing that came from it. Like, there were, the comms on COD Mobile competitive is insane compared to console and I guess now PC with controller competitive um, because it's like they they pretty much let everything be allowed in COD Mobile. So, like, it's so weird. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And so so one of my friends mentioned this, Taylor, who's been on the podcast before, but do you feel like uh, 100 Thieves Symphony is pretty much guaranteed at this point if they're looking for a Warzone team? I think it's very likely. Mm -hmm. Um, He's... Big content name. I know him well from, like, NRG. Yeah. And I think he would fit in well. Um, it would follow the train of people going from uh, Hex teams, Nade teams. Yeah. I feel like they kind of go back and forth with mm-hmm. content creators sometimes. But I, I'm not going to call it confirmed. But yeah, I, it's, like it's it's really likely. Doesn't he live in the content house with Brooke? Or is that wrong? No, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure either, but I know he's there. he's there a lot, and... He might even stream out of there, I mean, like a guest room or something. If, but you know, if he's hanging out with them, yeah, he just hasn't changed his Twitter yet. Business is bound Basically. to come up in those conversations, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about the Call of Duty roster specifically, because you know, like we've said this whole time, we're we're more excited about the Call of Duty League and what that has to offer. Uh, so it's weird because before this all happened. Optic Gaming LA was continuing to announce, like, oh, we've signed TJ, we've signed Draza to these new contracts. So that was sort of weird to me. But the the roster that we have now confirmed for the LA Thieves is Slasher, Kenny, who are returning to 100 Thieves, and TJ, the three, uh, on the starting roster. And they're looking for a fourth and a coach. And then Draza from the Modern Warfare season will be their sub, and uh, he's more than likely going to compete in Challengers, but I don't think that's necessarily confirmed. Um, so what do you think about the roster so far? And then we can sort of get into who we think the fourth may be in the future. See, uh, I think I'm not really taking too much from last year mm-hmm. because we were 5v5 and MW, MW's maps were particularly different than I, re- I remember in past Call of Duties. Yeah. I think with it changing the 4v4, um, some players that weren't particularly good on some teams last year may come out like, I mean, Kenny's team last year didn't perform all that well. No. But we remember the last time the last time we had a 4v4 game, Kenny was one of the top players being sought out. That 100 Thieves was, I, I think he was on 100 Thieves that year. For, for Black Ops 4, he was on 100 Thieves. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if we're going to go all the way back to World War II 4v4, 
you know, these these first three guys, Slasher, Kenny, and TJ, they were, like, on the top teams that year. Mm-hmm. We had Slasher and TJ on rise, and they won, like, I think they won back-to-back with one of those being Anaheim. And then Kenny, Kenny was on that TK team, and they got second at champs, and I think he got rookie of the year that year as well. I think both rise and TK won three in a row. Hmm. Okay. That year, I think, because there was a like a six year, there was like a six event stretch mm-hmm. where it was just TK and Rise. Winning. Yeah, that's so, true. I mean, these are some talented, I guess you would say, mid season veteran four v four players. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, and obviously, you know, with the Black Ops four season, Slasher and Kenny had that historic run with the hundred thieves. Hundred thieves spe- specifically that year, they won London and Anaheim back to back. They really, in my opinion, should have won Fort Worth if Priest didn't get sick. But uh, and then they got second at champs. And then for TJ, uh, obviously he was on that Optic Gaming team for Black Ops Four, and he was on Rise in World War Two. Um, what do you? What did you think about that Optic Gaming team for Black Ops Four? They were definitely always one of the favorites, in my opinion, to win most of the events. But it's just certain certain things happened to them. They did win Vegas that first event, though. So uh, yeah, what did you think about that team? Uh, I think the Optic team that year, uh, they won the Vegas event, and my expectations kind of started to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Scump, Krim, Karma, they're going to they're gonna lead these young guys. Like, yep. We're going to see them, the team kind of come back together after they had their little fallout. Um, but I think as the year went on, they kind of just got burnt out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still were performing. They still were getting top three, twos. They, were, they didn't win anything after that. Um, I just think how Krim's mindset was yeah. and Karma's, and I think there were just different opinions on the teams. Do you believe in the, in the? I guess it's just rumors, but do you believe in the rumors that guys like Dash and TJ weren't really that motivated to, to get on and practice and grind all the time like the others were? I think, if you're talking to Krim, yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you're talking to Krim, yes, because I think Krim takes it all very seriously, mm-hmm. uh, and you could see that with the Dallas team, I mean. It's the reason why they were so good this year is because Krim and Clay yeah, are good Yeah, they veterans. did their homework on certain teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I sometimes worry about Dashi because I know sometimes he can have those plays, I think, where he like, had five dead. Like, he had five on screen. Yeah. Um, I forget that name. The Seaside Hardpoint, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I uh, think it might have been against like Reciprocity maybe, mm-hmm. but it could have been a different team. But yeah, he has those shining moments and he has his sniping moments. But I think when the going gets tough, mm-hmm. sometimes Scump falls into this too. They kind of fall into a rut where yeah. the fans are just harping on them and they can't get back out. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the Scump at least was so used to just always doing good yeah. that once he didn't have that I guess support system that they used to have. T.J. Haley, I think he's consistent. Um, I don't see him as a huge star, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't. Like, I think he deserves to be on a team. Yes. Yeah, like I saw him as a big, like S and D guy that switched from S and D to respawn back in World War II. But uh, yeah, in Black Ops Four, he definitely fell into a rut as well. Uh, he definitely turned into a more inconsistent player. And then obviously, like we said earlier, it's hard to really speak on the Modern Warfare season with just how how weird that season was. Like. Mm-hmm. Like, have you heard the stories about before the season even started, the pros were, like, testing the game and how Hardpoint played? Hardpoint had, like, you know, 10 different hills or something like that. Like, they, they didn't even plan on having Hardpoint in, in, in Modern Warfare before the game came out. I think like, yeah, uh, MW, I think, as the season went on, it was kind of made clear. Mm-hmm. Infinity Ward was focused on Warzone. Oh, yeah. Infinity Ward was putting effort towards multiplayer, but mm-hmm. the last thing on their minds 
probably behind Spec Ops was competitive. Um, yeah. I, I remember multiple pros on Reddit came out and were like, we made multiple, re- we've reached out, we've made multiple recommendations for different changes, and some of them got done, mm-hmm. some of them didn't. And this was just how it's going to be for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's so, insane. Like, the, the game was literally built around Warzone. And you can see that if you play the multiplayer and just, you know, with Dead Silence as a field upgrade and so many other aspects, like, it's it's crazy to, to really think about. But, I mean, there's there's pros that come from that. If you're in the Warzone community and you play that like crazy, um, they've, they've seen some great success with that. But competitive-wise, it's it's tough to see. Granted, you know, it's it's great to see Treyarch back in the mix. Um, good that we don't have to see another year where we're taking a break from Treyarch. Uh, hopefully hopefully we can get a ranked play somewhat close to launch, right? Some sort of ranked or league play. But um feels it, like every year we're told it's, it'll be here in December. Yeah. It's going to be here at the start of 2021. It's going to be here uh, um, spring. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, it's like one, uh, they're announcing the new game and we yep. never played ring play. With Black Ops 4, it was like, they told us, they even told us at the multiplayer reveal that like, yes, there will be League played in this game. They didn't say when it was going to be, but they said it was going to be in the game. And then game launched, it wasn't in there. And they basically just kind of bought time until February or March when it finally dropped. So I feel it's it's comparable to one of those things. Where the entire community can collectively agree, we need it. It's comparable oh, yeah. to anti-cheating in Warzone, mm-hmm. where it's just like the entire community agrees on this, but Activision or whoever makes the decision just doesn't do it. Yeah, we just don't get it. Like even at its core, with like, even if you argue that Black Ops Two League Play didn't have the best ranking system because it was sort of just like if you played enough and you did kind of average, you're probably going to get into Masters eventually if you just grinded enough. If you if you argue that just even at the core, at least they had a ranked system to begin with. Mm-hmm. And if they can do that back in 2012, you know, why can't we continue to do that for every single Call of Duty game? So it's it's a weird thing. Um, but as far as this LA Thieves roster, this LA Thieves CDL roster, then and them looking for a fourth and a coach, who do you think the fourth could be? Who do you think, and you know, like some of your favorites, who could it possibly be? I know that there's not many people even available left anymore. Uh and then we have the coach to think about. The coach is one of the biggest question marks for me, but I think the fourth probably has a couple of uh, good candidates. I know that Nameless did a video recently, and he said that Temp and John were like the top two candidates for him to be their fourth. But what do you think about those? Do you know what the um, the lineup meta is looking to be? Like the free. like the weapon meta, the yeah. meta for Cold War. It's it's weird because I played the alpha and the beta, but. It's weird. Like, the Alpha, the SMGs were really, really dominant. Uh, the Uzi and the Alpha and the Beta were both really, really good. But it's looking like that it's going to be like a 1 AR, maybe 3 sub meta. Um, probably one of those subs definitely being a flex and switching to a more mobile AR. Because there are, there are like, ARs in Cold War that are more mobile, sort of like a Maddox or, uh, like, if you want to go way back, like AN-94 from Black Ops 2, uh, that you can be a little more fast with and more aggressive. So I think it's going to be like a one main AR, three sub, with one of the subs being a, a flex AR. So that's probably what we're working with. I haven't I haven't done too much research on who could be their fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, just saying the name John kind of gets me excited. Yeah. Uh, just because, for whatever reason, he was gone all of last year. Mm-hmm. and Nobody I, knows why, uh, besides, you know, some of the people on the inside. Uh-huh. I think... I don't know. Sooner or later, we might figure it out. But 
it's one of probably the well best kept secret in Call of Duty Esports oh, yeah. right now, uh, with the amount of things that get leaked nowadays. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been doing physical therapy recently, so I think, I think not only could he have been banned for something more shady, but I think he also has like bad back problems or something weird like that, where like gaming affects his um, his health that way. But I think he's definitely going to return at some point in the season. I mean, it, like if it's not for LA Thieves, I think he definitely deserves a spot on Paris. But even Paris is looking kind of rough right now. But I personally would love to see John on LA Thieves just because he's 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 good as a sub. You mm-hmm. know, he didn't have a great Black Ops Four season, but he was very very good in four v four World War Two. Like on a really good team, uh, I think it was Envy, right, in World War Two. Um, so yeah, we have that. That and I feel was like... it Envy or LG? I feel like it had to have been Envy, right? What year are we talking? World War Two. World War Two. Yeah. I think John was on LG. LG? I think he was on LG. Okay, okay, makes sense. I, I, I guess the one thing I would like to note is, like, talking about rosters before the season even starts. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going into last year looking at the Huntsman roster with Gunless. Yeah. And, and just, like, up and down the entire roster, I was like, this is, this is going to be a good roster. Like, yeah, I, like I, they're stacked. I feel very good about my team right now. And... Halfway through the season, it was it kind of was realized that Gunless was an AR kind of stuck on the team mm-hmm. and didn't even get traded. He get kind of just put it got put on the bench for Persini. But it, I feel like that could be the same for this LA Thieves team is they might pick up John and I mean and whoever might else come up. I know it's been a little bit more of a weird season because we're going from a five man team yeah. to a four man team. But I've at the same time throughout the season, we could see a lot more roster changes. I guess you would say. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's why that, that's why I'm so confused about Temp being one of those like bigger candidates for this for this fourth spot because he's I think he's had a lot of personality issues in the past with with teams like Splice and Black Ops Four. So I think he would have the similar problem that Gunless had, where like his personality would clash with guys like Slasher and even TJ for that matter. Um, even though they do have a history, you know, Kenny has a, a history of teaming with Temp, I think at least. Um, I think Kenny said that he, he, Temp is one of like the biggest guys that he wants to team with again. But I don't know. Even even though Temp is very skilled as a player, I just feel like his personality would clash too much with some of these guys. Yeah, I don't really see Temp falling into LAT's content. I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't, still don't see the personality yeah. mixing well there. Similar to like. Like my example with Gunless, he just didn't seem like he vibed with the Opti guy, the Huntsman guys, and uh, I, I mean it could still work. I mm-hmm. mean this Call of Duty franchise team and it should be winning focus first. Oh yeah, in my opinion. I mean, but I mean I it, at this point I'm not really too sure. Um, do is Enable signed to a team? He's not signed to a team yet. He's not even like he's you know publicly he's not even really in talks with anyone. Um, and he's made a couple of videos about it, but he's he said in Attach's podcast because even Attach has started a podcast recently that Enable said that he's one hundred one thousand percent not coaching on this team, so he's at least not coaching. And you know, it, it makes you wonder like how much stock do you really put in Enable? You know, if you're going off the Black Ops Four season, you it, it's kind of iffy for me. Um, World War Two, he had a great season, but he wasn't great at search, so it's like. How much stock do you personally put in Enable hmm. as a player right now? I know, like, no, like you could say a lot of people didn't have a great Modern Warfare season, but if we're not really talking about Modern Warfare, it's like going into Cold War. What do you really think about the guy? I, I, I 
I mostly mentioned him because I know he I know fits in with that organization mm-hmm. well. He has a history. He yeah. has a history in that organization, and sometimes I think if you're in a good like you, you may not have performed well in the past couple of years of mm-hmm. such. But like I, you see this in traditional sports, when a player comes back to a home team or a, a team that they were drafted by, I guess you would say, and yeah. they did good with that team at the very beginning, they kind of find it again because they almost feel at home. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if Enable gets gets on LA Thieves and gets surrounded by the people he wants to be around, I mean, I feel like he might be able to turn something yeah, into I- a, a top player, but at the same time, I'm not going to put very much stock into him. Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, obviously he has the chemistry and the history, like you say, but I saw some people on Reddit making some really good points of, like, you know, it would be, like, Enable and pretty much TJ as the sub-duo, like the main sub-duo with Kenny being the sub and AR flex with Slasher. Slasher is the main AR. So a lot of people on Reddit were like, you know, they don't personally put a lot of stock in Enable and TJ going up against the likes of Simp and Abizi, you know, some of the best sub-duos out there, mm-hmm. even for, like, uh, Hook, and, Hook and Shotzi or something like that. Um, so it's tough, you know. You want to get, get someone who can, really, who can really hold their weight against some of the more, I guess, younger, younger rookies that are coming up and really dominating the scene right now. Like, Simp didn't have the craziest Modern Warfare year, in my opinion, but he was still holding his, like, top three position, you know? He, he didn't have, like, a Black Ops 4 season, but it was still it was still something to, to really note. Um, and it's just interesting, you know? Like, TJ, in a 4v4 cut, I think TJ could really hold his weight, but if you pair him up with a guy like Enable, it's going to be a weird duo. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be really weird. Right. So. Well, so why is... I haven't seen much into this, but why is Draza starting off in the bench? It's a good question. Like, and that's something that I was going to bring up right after this is like, Draza starting off the bench. He, I mean, he started on the bench. I thought right in Modern Warfare, and then they brought him up. Uh, they brought him up for champs, and I was telling some friends just uh, Friday night while I was playing Black Ops Four League play. Like, I don't think it's a bad idea to gamble on the guy. You know, Draza and Champs, at least, they, you know, Opti Gaming made a pretty good run at um, CDL Champs this past season. I think they got sixth place, and Draza made some some really crazy plays at some points. I think he's a great SMG Slayer, um, and I, I really don't, like, it has to be that, like, Slasher, Kenny, and Mud Dog, Mud Dog being the general manager for this team, I, I don't think they want to gamble on him yet, and I don't think it's a bad idea to gamble on the guy. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Like, as far as him as a player, I know we didn't really see much of him, but I don't know. We've, we've seen him a little bit. I don't know. He's one of those players where uh, he, uh, the first time I had heard about him mm-hmm. was last year. Yeah. So I'm still, like, learning about who he is and his following. I, I, like, the players were talking about Slasher, Kenny, and TJ. They mm-hmm. they have followings. They've been on. They've been in the, the league for years. Yeah. Um, you can find their stuff on YouTube, Twitter, and such. Draws, I think, is one of those more mysterious players. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same way for guys like Mac on the New York Subliners. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know about him at all until Modern Warfare. You know, him awakening on Florida, I didn't know about him at all until Modern Warfare. Yeah. So, yeah, Dross is one of those guys that sort of came out of nowhere for me. I guess if I was watching the Challenger scene a little more, I would have known more. And that's what I'm looking forward to this season as well, is watching more of the Challenger scene because there's a ton of pros um, going from 60 players in the league to 48. There's going to be a ton of sort of 
ex-CDL pros that are going to be in the Challengers League. So I'm looking forward to watching that mm-hmm. a little bit more. But, yeah, going back to Draza, like, I really don't think it's a bad idea to at least gamble on the guy for an, an event or two. But if they're starting with him on the bench, then they have to have somebody up their sleeve to really bring in, you know? See, that that's what, when they first announced the three-man roster, that made me, when I saw Draza was on the bench, I was like, oh, they already kind of have someone in mind. Yeah, yeah. They have someone in mind. They might even have a backup. Mm-hmm. And they've already talked to Draza, and they're like, hey, we want you to be on our team, but not right. I, I, we don't want you to start. Um, yeah. So, I mean, makes you feel like someone's already right there. Mm-hmm. It's just in the hush-hush right now. Yeah, but and there's always some flexibility, you know. I mean, he is on the bench, so like if if they're fourth or even TJ for that matter, if if anyone starts to underperform, I think Dross is a great guy that could that you could bring in and sort of fill the gap. I mean, even this year, I've seen uh, like you you still want to have someone consistent and good right on your yeah. bench because I think oh, I forget what home series it was, but it was uh, post COVID. Well, I mean, during COVID, uh-huh. when I think someone's power went out and oh, uh, yeah. sub had to come in. I, I don't know if it was mid-map. or It was one of the more later ones, and I think it was Seattle. I think it was Seattle, and, like, Apathy's power went uh, out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was Apathy's power went out. And they had the, and they, I think, is that when Enable and... Enable came in, yeah. Um, Pander? Pander, I think. I, that, that, I think Pander might have already been on the starting roster. Seattle has done a lot of different yeah. things with their they, roster. They went through a ton of players season. just in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So, but... Regardless, you could uh, do a whole episode about that one team in the past year. Regardless, you saw a bench player come off mid-tournament, mm-hmm. so I think it is strategic having Draz on the bench because he probably could probably fit in well if something crazy had to happen. I presume this season's going to be online and in person. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, that's a whole different. I think story. they could do like if they do any lands at all. I'd like to see. Even if they just held it off until champs, I'd be fine with seeing an online season and then champs being land. You know, go into quarantine for two weeks and then you have champs. So. I think I think as things differ, they could probably mm-hmm. uh, maybe have like a land event with no fans. I mean, yeah, suck with no fans, but Columbus. I mean, we have they they did a whole. They had that there. huge. They had that big studio and owned by MLG, but it's crazy to see some of those things let go. It'd be cool. I just thought about this. Um, I feel like somebody might have brought this up to me before, but I just thought about this while we were talking. Uh, it'd be kind of cool to see them or see LA Thieves sort of be the first team to really lean into uh, subbing subbing substitute players in for specific game modes. Like, what if they brought Draza in specifically for Search? You know, something like that. That'd be cool. See, I I remember that being mentioned last season mm-hmm. when Enable's on the bench. Yeah. I mean, I think they were. I think they had announced they were putting Enable in, mm-hmm. where they were saying hey, Enable's going to play respawn, and then Pander was going to come in for the search. Yeah. And I think they tried it for like one match, and it didn't go too well. That's right. And yeah. then I think they subbed Pander back in for permanent. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that I've seen in other games. Overwatch um, is the one I've mostly remember of certain players being subbed in and back and forth mid-map. Mm-hmm. Um, not mid-map, but mid-match. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen it successfully done in Call of Duty, though. Yeah, I feel like it's tough with Call of Duty because the pros have said before that uh, challengers players or, like, open bracket players, they play so differently compared to the pros, so it's sort of hard to make that switch or make that really quick adjustment mm-hmm. if you're going to sub in mid-match. So, yeah, so that's pretty much it for the LA Thieves. Um, there's there's stuff that you could talk about for weeks with that team, and hopefully 
they announce a fourth and a coach soon. We didn't really talk too much about the coach, but I don't really have many people that I can really think about besides like karma for for that role, really. Yeah, I mean, that I've always kind of felt that with coaches. Uh, I mean, I saw TP leave Optic and go work for the CDL, mm-hmm. and uh, you have Raven and New York, and there's coaches. There's I feel like anyone could be. It's tough. Like. I mean, as a 100 Thieves fan, it'd be amazing to see Crowder go to 100 Thieves, but I don't think that's going to happen. He's going to stick with FaZe probably and just coach them. FaZe has an amazing roster to work with, so so I don't see him leaving anytime soon. He's also full-time streaming, so I really don't know who could possibly be a coach for this team at all besides Karma, but I don't think think Karma's even really, like, wanting to come back. Yeah, I think Karma's chilling right now. Yeah, because people have said that, like, People have said that coaching is sort of, it's almost comparable to being a player because, you know, you're getting on at the scrim time and you're putting in the same amount of time as the players, but you're just not playing. You know, you're analyzing uh, the gameplay and just telling them what they did wrong and stuff and stuff they can work on, but you're just not playing. And so. I guess it, like it also probably depends on how into it of a coach you want to get. Yeah. I know, like Raven with uh, New York. He was big statistical guy. I remember watching. Oh, Revan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Re- Revan, there you go. That mispronouncing there. <laughs> um, but I remember watching a couple of different YouTube videos of him just breaking down things. Mm-hmm. And he, he's always been great. He's he's one of those people that I can compare to a traditional sports coach, where it's like he just sees the game differently than the rest of us. Yeah. He's just seeing everything different, and then he's just translating that to his players. Uh, and then there's some coaches who might just sit back and watch scrims, facilitate mm-hmm. their little t- the team, yeah. and then be like, hey, guys, you guys aren't mentioning this. Do this. Yeah, that's very true. But like, I guess it also goes off of uh, what kind of leadership you have with the players as well. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I could see, like, it's it seems pretty obvious that I think that Slash is going to be sort of the captain of this team, mm-hmm. sort of leading them with, with strats and things of that nature. But... Yeah, I've, all, I've, I've agreed um, over the years as well about Revan and how just just smart he is with Call of Duty. I mean, the guy's got a memory of just a god because, you know, I remember in World War II, I was at the Anaheim event, and it was like the first tie of a hardpoint game since, like, Black Ops 2. And for some reason, he remembered, you know, which event it was in Black Ops 2 and who the two teams were and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's even for the players, it's always amazed me about how good their memory is. Like, I'm sure TP could talk about a specific series back in Black Ops 2, like right now, and just tell us exactly what happened. I, I, I think he was on the uh, Courage and HOT show, mm-hmm. and I think Courage asked him a question about what his favorite moment was. Yeah. And he just reeled off a BO2, <laughs> a BO2 map series. He was like, this is, we were down, and I told Courage to do this. And I'm like, how do you... Like, I've had some good moments playing League Play with friends, but I can't tell you, like, specifically what happened outside of that one play, right? Like, I'm horrible with that stuff. Like, I don't know. Personally, I have a horrible memory to begin with, but, like, put it on COD, then it sort of gets even worse. Like, that's tough. You know, I've played a lot of COD in my life, and, I'm you know, they've played twice as much as me, so, like, that's insane. And I guess it goes down to how well you are as a team. Oh, yeah. Say, even if you are winning every tournament, but you still go back and watch VOD. Yeah, that's true. And go break everything down. That's true. I'm sure it probably starts getting engraved in your memory. Yeah. Some of the stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. But. You know, I, I sort of talked about that last week with um, Hitch's throwback tournament. Like, they, the Complexity Squad just went right back to doing some of the same stuff, you know, arguing about the same things. So that was really funny. So that, that was 
pure entertainment. Do you, what did you? How much did you watch of that event? I watched um, the first complexity match. Then mm-hmm. I watched um, Scump absolutely <laughs> crap the bed, <laughs> and I just I, I kind of just was peeking in and back back and yeah. forth. I think I was watching. I don't remember if it was football. I was watching something else at the same time. I can't remember what I was doing that weekend either, but I, I remember being pretty busy. And I, I watched all the grand finals. Um, Complexity came back, and they, they beat – it was like Parasite and Aiden's team. And then they, they beat them in the first series, and then they had to try to beat them again, and they lost like 3-1. And outside of the grand finals, I really didn't watch a lot of it, but I watched Scump here and there um, throughout the weekend. And it was cool. It was just cool to watch Black Ops 2 competitive again and like not have any hackers disrupt the whole thing. Yeah, it, like that. it was cool, and there was no hackers. I don't think it was the most accurate because... Yeah, again, mouse I and keyboard. It was mouse and keyboard, and if you did use a controller, I remember Courage talking about this, but if you did plug a controller in, you lost your aim assist. Yep. So it, I think there might have been one player in complexity. It might have been TP who decided to use a controller anyways. <laughs> and he was like, he, it's knew, just so tough. he knew, but he was halfway complaining. He was like, yeah, this isn't the same, but I just can't use mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. But So, yeah, I guess for our last topic to sort of round out the podcast here, I know we could talk about this for probably the next couple of hours, but uh, we have a couple minutes left here. Let's talk more about the Chicago uh, situation, you know, with Hex reportedly buying the Optic Gaming IP. He still has yet to comment on the entire thing, and I'm sure he doesn't really want to until there's some sort of announcement video that he can do. Um, so, one, what do you think about what do you think about what his next step is going to be with the Chicago Huntsman and Optic? Do you think he's going to rebrand the Chicago Huntsman to something similar like the Chicago Optic or Optic Gaming Chicago? Or could it be something different where Optic's like a media brand or something like that? Uh, I think he's got more freedom to sort of open up, open up more about this now that LA Thieves has been confirmed. Yeah, I before LA Thieves was confirmed and the change from OG LA to LA mm-hmm. Thieves was happening, um, I figured before that had happened, I was like, uh, the, the league had already come out and said that Hex wasn't allowed to rename Huntsman. They didn't want yeah. rebranding happening. Now that we've already had a rebranded team, I don't know how they can tell them no. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess maybe because it's different owners and Hex is still the same owners as Huntsman. Yeah. From excluding the league and looking at it from more of a, I guess, a fan's perspective, uh, I think he should just, I, in my opinion, I think he just needs to rename Huntsman uh, to Chicago Optic, Optic yep. Chicago, however that rolls. Um, I see he's the co-CEO of NRG, mm-hmm. so I don't think from a business standpoint it makes much sense to be a CEO of Optic, the media brand, NRG, which is also like a content creation media brand, yeah. and then also have this, he's and then the sole CEO of Huntsman, I feel like that's a lot of things going on at one time. Yeah, for sure. And I don't, I don't, I don't see Optic energy staying. I mean, you have Andy Miller. Yeah, you already have. They're going to be the, they're going to be like the, the parent company yeah. over whatever this, either Huntsman or Optic. You know, whatever it comes of this. So, mm-hmm. and I feel like the best option would be to rename it to Optic Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's where Optic was started. One hundred percent. Kind of just falls into place, and. Just have that as like a Call of Duty only type thing. Yeah, yeah. That's how that's how Optic started. Was they were just call they were Call of Duty esports team. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, they I mean you were talking about it earlier. How like we we love or you love specifically how like you know th- with this season this season's looking really really good because we're having hundred thieves. You know, Optic possibly coming back in. 
we've got the Dallas Empire, which is pretty much Envy, and we have some other organizations uh, with, like, I'm pretty sure Splice. I'm pretty sure whoever owns Splice also owns the Toronto Ultra. So, like, Splice yeah. sort of is dissolved. and they there. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so many great brands. And like you said with Optic originating in Call of Duty to begin with, it's so beneficial for the league. No matter what kind of rules you have in store or set in place already, like, it's so beneficial if you just rename them, let them be Optic. And, like, the, the viewership was already there for the Huntsman, but, like, how, how much more could it be if they're Optic now? You know, you're, you're going to revive so many rivalries with the 100 Thieves or the LA Thieves, and, you know, the, the rivalries are going to stay there with uh, Dallas Empire. So, like, it's, it's really an obvious choice, in my opinion. Yeah. You know? Uh, I, it's, it would be great for content. Mm-hmm. Um, Vision could come back. Vision could come back. I don't think it would. I mean, Roger, Roger is He is Hex back, now. yeah. Roger is with Hex. I think Hitch is doing his own thing now, though. Yeah, so that's true. It'll, it'll, I think Hitch is far gone from content creation yeah. uh, for he's Optic. He's busy with Team Summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think it's interesting coming down, uh, I guess you would say, more than any other sports league out there. Call of Duty revives a lot. Uh, they are heavy on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the stuff goes down on Twitter. That's where most of the Call of Duty news comes from. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of players are active on Twitter. And a lot of people talk about the following. I know, like, yeah. uh, LA Thieves have shot past, like, even FaZe now. Yeah, I just um, mentioned it earlier. I mean, literally within 48 hours, within two days, they were the, they're were they the second most followed CDL team on Twitter. I think that's behind the Huntsman. Well, so. I, I think I was looking at it last night. It was, I think, Huntsman's got 174K. Mm-hmm. Dallas has 85K. And LA Thieves has 77. Yeah, I that think. sounds right. And then FaZe is at 70, I think. Um, yeah, so LA Thieves is at 70, 77, might as well be 78 right now, 77.9. Um, yeah, so those those top teams are all sort of in that ballpark where you just said, yeah, you pretty much got it right on the right on the uh, point right there. And you have your you have your outlier of um, this is more of the salty chase coming out here. <laughs> You have an outlier of OGLA who were yeah. gifted 3 million followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Huntsman's got the 174K, but it's interesting. Did that OGLA Twitter just get deleted? Or is it like is there like a peaceful transfer of pro- like power? Yeah, there? yeah. How does that uh, work? Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying like they need to get the Twitter back and then make it Chicago Optic. I'm not, I, I don't care about that 3 million number. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I feel like that's like a historic Twitter account. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with that completely. It's that's a tough situation for sure. Like what that's a good point. I haven't heard too many people bring that up. Like what would you do with those particular social media accounts? Because, you know, it's not like they they did lose a ton of following once the the ownership transferred, but like uh I see they, like what do you do with it now? They lost know? I remember they lost a lot of following after uh I think they made a, some type of tweet mm-hmm. regarding hex and They made a couple of those tweets at this point. They got they got a lot of pushback for sure. Um but I don't know. Well, they were talking about, like, uh, show me, like, the real optic, and then it was like, no, show me, like, actually show me the real optic, and it was just pictures of, like, Hex and stuff. And um, So, yeah, that's tough. That's a really tough situation. I mean, personally, I think it would be smart to just transfer everything over to the main optic gaming Twitter and just rebrand that. But then it's like, is it, is, it, is it fine with them? Are they, are they content with just letting the Huntsman die, like you said? It's, it's weird. It's a weird situation. I mean, you know, 
brand like it's tough you know from a fan's perspective like you said it'd be great just to go back to optic and i know a lot of people didn't really like the huntsman branding to begin with you know there were there have been there have been all kinds of opinions about it i mean some people didn't like the logo some people wish they would have went with something different but i mean personally i think in the end they just they just need to rebrand completely to optic and just sort of see where it goes from there yeah uh I have been holding out on buying any merch uh-huh. at all, and I really hope Hex doesn't carry this into Christmas. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I have my Huntsman merch, and I have my Optic merch. Yeah. I mean, I'll wear both now because Hex has ownership of both teams. Yep. I just don't want to buy anything new and then <laughs> just not get used. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I bet it feels good that you can bring out those those optic oh, uh, the optic shirts again. All of my all of my optic merch. It was <laughs> at a time it was just in a box, just <laughs> sitting there because I was like, I'm not wearing this anymore. Yeah, it's just not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it'll be interesting. That's my main news. Now that LA is confirmed. Yep. Hex likes to keep everything a secret. Mm-hmm. He likes to do his own little announcement videos and such. Uh, it's, I guess you just have to wait for a random day that Hex drops a YouTube video. Yeah, I guess it's just going to have to be at the end of a vlog or something like that. I, re- it, I really don't know. He'll do something crazy. It'll it's it's, it's going to be big. You kind know, of regardless. annoying, but he, he <laughs> yeah. loves to do it. He loves to do that. I mean, even the, the energy announcement with him putting the hoodie on, that was pretty big. Oh, it was unexpected at all. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just getting a dark video. Yeah, yeah. And I, this is another thing I'll bring up. Uh, I remember talking about this with one of my friends. He... Um, you know when something's going on in Hex's life that's big, that requires a big announcement, it's business, when mm-hmm. he goes MIA. Yeah, for and, sure. And uh, when, uh, when he sold Optic the first time, when uh, the, he sold 49 or he sold 51%, he went quiet. Mm-hmm. When he left Optic and they split apart, he went quiet. Yeah. Then we went to NRG, he was quiet, and then after NRG, the content picked back up. Yep. We're quiet again. So something's happening. He's been to L.A. like yeah, he's been to L.A. Times uh, so weeks. many times. I mean, yeah. So like the the social media content has still been there, but he's not speaking about the elephant in the room, right? Yeah, I mean, so. he's, he's talked about getting a million subscribers on YouTube for two years now. Mm-hmm. And he, he's sitting at like eight ninety, and he's been sitting there for <laughs> two years because he goes to MIA for a little bit while yeah, he's making his business decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcasts, I think, are still happening though. Yeah, the the eavesdrop podcasts are still happening. Um, those have actually been really good. Uh, I know one that he did recently with like Mr. Beast Manager. Mm-hmm. That one was really good, and that got me into listening to that guy's podcast specifically. So yeah, I, like I sort of pick and choose with the eavesdrop podcast, just depending on who the guest is. But um, those are always really good. If if you had to set like a sort of ballpark timetable on when you think they're gonna announce something with this, with like Hex putting out something, when do you think it could possibly be? Because personally, I think that if it's not before Cold War drops on, you know, this Thursday at midnight or, you know, Friday or whatever, um, I, like, there's no way they go past, like, a week after Cold War drops, in my opinion. Without Have they announcing talked anything. about when the season's going to start? They haven't said it in my, or not just in my opinion, but the league hasn't released anything about when the season's going to start or really any plans for it. I know the only reference to it is that, um, in John Robinson and Nate Shot's like 13 minute long video about it, they said that the league has some surprises for us that they're really excited for, but they're not really gonna give them away yet. So, I think that the season's not gonna start until January, like we're used to now. But anything could happen, I guess. I was gonna. My immediate answer was before November. Mm-hmm. I realized for November. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my now next immediate answer I want to say is before December. Mm-hmm. 
I I think we might see leaks. Um, yeah. I think, remember, the, even at the beginning of the CDL, I think the CDL last year updated their website yep. before some teams were announced. The website got data mined, and uh, we found out all the teams. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, CDL may ruin it for Hex. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's possible. They might like update the art and have the yeah. Optic logo there or something. And Could be another Dixerto thing where they, where they leak it. Could be another Dixerto thing. Uh, I think regardless, Hex... Regardless if it gets uh, leaked or not, mm-hmm. I think Hex will have something by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, it almost has to be. Mm-hmm. I, the team's confirmed. We know yep. it's going to be that. And, I mean, Huntsman will be a thing. But it, the change from Huntsman to Optic happens. Yep. Or just in general, what's the, what, is, what are they going to do with Optic? In general? Yep. What, what are they going to do with that brand? He still has NRG. So. Mm-hmm. He's still co is it co CEO? He's co CEO of NRG with Andy Miller, mm-hmm. and then I think he is sole CEO of um, the Chicago Huntsman. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, like that's that's such a interesting thing, and like yeah, it, it really doesn't feel like we're close closer to twenty one or closer to twenty twenty one than we than we think right now. Like it it feels like we're still still sort of in summer, even though we've been sort of uh, deep in the school semester already. But, uh, yeah, I don't think the season's going to start until January. But, like, lastly, before we end the podcast here, I just hope that at every single home series event that we get all 12 teams at each at each event. Like, if they don't do that, then it's going to be a little – it's going to be tough, you know. We I, need all the teams there. I – from the very first moment I heard Scump talk about it on his stream until mm-hmm. now I, I, I would love to see this implemented of there being – group play of all 12 teams yep to come out i forget how the exact numbers break down obviously it's it's a lot easier with 16 teams yeah. but the teams come out and then you have your bracket play mm-hmm. i don't i don't it was frustrating at the end of the season when you had to look at the points and you're like oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's oh seattle this is seattle's last event like, well yeah they're done with points so oh mm-hmm. well, uh, they gotta hope this like team who's loses. who's you know like yeah exactly like you're predicting everything like it's it was you know the system works in the fact that every single home series matters and uh, all of the matches are basically seeding for champs you know or all the events really are just helping to seed champs and that's not a horrible thing but it's just it sucks when the season started in January and we didn't see Huntsman versus Phase until like June or July so and everybody I that's a, it's another thing is matchups people mm-hmm. want to see I think. I don't want to go all the, the whole season like with an event left without seeing 100 Thieves versus Optic. You yeah. know, if that happens, if, if I mean, Optic happens. That, that Optic, 100 Thieves, Nade, Hex, mm-hmm. and just we can live in a perfect world. You could do, a, like I said earlier, you could do a whole episode just about that rivalry. Yeah, you, and, and if we're in a perfect world here, just like uh, when their league teams play each other, yep. having Hex and Nade sitting beside each other, yep. I'm, that would be peak viewership for Cold War. I, yeah, for I sure. So heartily believe it could be a semifinal. Yeah, it will be peak viewership just mm-hmm. because of the history in the sport. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think that the optic thing is inevitable. Uh, and with that, it's definitely going to be a fun season to watch. Like we have we have plenty of teams that even some of the more underrated teams are going to be really fun to watch with how stacked some of these rosters are. We have two teams left to announce, and more or less, um, the Florida team is pretty much known. But Paris is still up in the air. Uh, I think Paris is having financial troubles. Oh yeah, they one hundred percent are. Like, uh, like I, I even heard that like they're not even really wanting to pay 
anything more than the league minimum of like fifty thousand dollars. You know. I think that's what they're doing with the Overwatch team too. Mm-hmm. But whoever's the management group, whoever whoever the investors are for that group. So it's tough. Sticky situation. It's tough. Maybe they might sell it. Who knows? <laughs> That's possible. It's really possible. And it's like, I was telling somebody earlier, like, yeah, like I just keep wanting to bring up more topics, but you know. Yeah. I'm uh, you. Um, I don't know. I think you could really just build around some of these, some of these like left out players from the first uh, CDL season. You know, guys like Slacked and, you know, like why not just throw Weskin and Scraps on Paris and build around them? Like, what's the big problem with that? I mean. It seems like scraps or one of the one of the two. I can't remember. It seems like one of them is just going to go to full time Warzone streaming, and I mean, if they're seeing success with that, sure. But it just sucks not seeing them in competitive play. But I guess we're just going to see how that goes. Florida seems pretty much confirmed with Pharaoh, Havoc, Skies, and Awakening. I uh, I think Pharaoh could have been a good fourth for Hundred Thieves, but I don't know. He didn't really he didn't really mesh with them that well in Black Ops Four. But I guess now with Four v Four, he could probably shine. But uh, some social media tweets from Florida recently have sort of hinted at him being on the team. So it looks like that one's pretty much set in stone. But I think I think if you're Paris, you have a big talent pool to really work with here and build a good team out of. But it just like you said earlier, just a few minutes ago, it doesn't seem like they're really wanting to, wanting to put the effort into it. Mm. So I mean, it's something that everyone's that excited about. Mm-hmm. A lot of bigger things people are caring about. Oh, yeah. With the bigger names in the league and such, but mm. at, the, at the same time, it wasn't. I think there were one or two tournaments. Paris, like, kind of won some surprising matches. Oh yeah, they I made mean, it to like a grand final with Dallas or something. When like it that. comes down to Championship Sunday, you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen on Championship Sunday. So. Oh yeah. Uh, I think regardless, if they can just kind of get a team together, mm-hmm. like we said, I mean, just do something, strong, you know. So. Uh, there's there's plenty of other teams. You, you can definitely you can definitely do something. You just just gotta get a team together. And I you know I've heard that I've heard that they have up until the season starts. Like the league hasn't specifically said that there's a deadline for getting a roster, which is kind of crazy. You know that there's no deadline for this just yet. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much gonna do it for the podcast. Uh, I think it's pretty much a good spot, a good spot to end it there. We've been going for a full hour and six minutes here. Probably one of the more longer ones that I've done so far, definitely this semester. Um, but yeah, that's it for hold the lane. Uh, that was really really fun. Uh, definitely definitely had a lot more to talk about than than I thought we would, um, as far as a lot of side topics go. It's good having you on. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, we can do some more in the future or something like that. For sure. Because that, that would be great. I know that uh, we were in talks a lot when the podcast first started up. So hopefully hopefully if it's just over a Zoom call during break or something like that, hopefully we can get some more going um, and see where that goes. Because once the season starts, it's going to be a really, really fun, time, really fun time to talk about Call of Duty. So that's going to be good. Um, do you want to plug anything, like social media accounts or anything like that? That's always a good time. Yeah, I guess I can plug the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be C Bennett, uh, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, 4434. Uh, I do, I am interested in getting more into like a, more of a public ins- uh, Twitter, Instagram type thing going mm-hmm. on. I think. I just recently made my Instagram public. Like I, I've never made an Instagram public until now. My, so. my Twitter's currently public, but mm-hmm. I, uh, it's like more of like a personal type thing. Too, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't talk just about Call of Duty on there. Yeah. Um, but. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm on there. 
Yeah, and then same for me. So if you want to follow me on Twitter at DaltonFloyd67 uh, to give me any sort of updates or uh, advice, suggestions for the podcast itself, that's always appreciated on there. And I can always get back to you quicker on there. Um, I don't see me. I don't see myself continuing the Facebook page much longer. But if there's some sort of inkling uh, that people want that, then you can follow me on Facebook at Hold the Lane Podcast. Uh, just to give some sort of. Uh, I guess, notification about this. Um, I've also been doing some sort of a, like, kill two birds with one stone thing with this podcast where I've been doing this for a class as well. But I started it before the podcast, or <laughs> I started for the started the podcast before the class began. And uh, I, I, I plan on continuing this thing for really just for a long time. You know, I don't plan on stopping this anytime soon. So I think the last podcast that was really required for the class to, to listen to and critique uh, as far as the social media posts go and things like that, that was last episode, episode 12. So now with this one, uh, it's really sort of up to me to have the freedom to, um, you know, bring on more guests, bring on uh, really just anyone and not really have much of a limit for the time. So that's why this one ran as long as it did. And I don't mind them going as long as they do, as long as we have stuff to talk about. So um, that's sort of a quick update on that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook. And again, you can listen to Hold the Lane on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Um, shout out to the unique listeners that continue to come up and listen to the podcast each and every week. Um, that's always been great. It's always been good to get feedback on that. So that's going to be it for Hold the Lane. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Uh, continue to stay positive, smile more, and we will see you in the next one.